And let's take our Bibles this morning. We've got to uh, get people awake today. Wake myself up. Some of you had to get up early and shovel snow. Some of you are dreading going home because you didn't get up early and shovel snow. I would be in the latter rather than the former. I have snow to go shovel at home, and it's probably ice, and it's going to be fun. And uh, so um, it's not one of those snowfalls where you can just wait and it'll melt later. It's not going to do that, I'm sorry to say. So we finally got a real snowfall, um, I was going to say this year, but uh, true, this year. We had it all on the first day of the year, uh, this season. So uh, looking forward to what God has in store for us, let's take all of the thoughts of, of snow cleanup and money problems and health problems and all this, as much as we can, let's just take that and put it aside for just a minute. And let's look into the Word of God and see what He has for us today. God has a word for all of us today. It may not be what hers is. It may not be what His is. But it all will agree because this is God's Word. But it is relevant to each of us in our own special God-given way. Because God has, has something for us individually. Isn't that wonderful that God cares about not just all of us, but He cares about each of us. And so let's take the Word of God, Acts chapter 8, and you're there. Let's turn to verse number 8 and stand as we read out loud together one verse. This is our theme for the year. I will revisit this many times this year, I believe. We've already been in this. We've already talked about this. We, we already have, have, a, you know, we have an understanding, but I think we need to get a greater understanding uh, for us, how it applies to our life. And so let's read verse number 8 together, out loud, as, as, as loud as we can, uh, just the one verse today. And there was great joy in that city. Which city? Let's get that settled. Samaria. Not Jerusalem, it was Samaria where we find great joy. Uh, and so let's pray together, ask God's blessing on today's word. Our Father, Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the truth that's contained here, uh, telling us the story of Jesus Christ, and it's a ever-living story. We thank for the Word of God that is living, and we thank you that we can come together and read what you have for us today. As we come, we get our instructions, we come and get our, our bread, and we feed ourselves spiritually. Help us to not uh, starve this year. Help us not to uh, willfully decline what the Holy Spirit tells us willfully turn away from the Word of God as we seek to yield rather than shun and quench the Spirit. Help us to have that in our life this year. May 2022 be the greatest year of our spiritual walk. Father, speak through me today because, Lord, I know I need your help. God, I need your Holy Spirit's intervention in my life. We thank you for working uh, in our Christian lives to bring us to the place where we are now. But Lord, may we not look at the, at the past and say, well, that's all that's going to be. May we look to the future and say, by God's grace, I'm going to keep going forward and do greater things for the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated and turn with me, if you would, all the way back to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to work our way through the first eight chapters, or the first seven at least, we know that the church was established. We talked a little bit about this in our Sunday school today. 
in my class, the church was established with Christ and his apostles. Who are the apostles? Well, the disciples, right? But they're the sent ones. That's what ap- apostle means. Sent one. Well, where were they sent? Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we find that they're told to go. Jesus says go after you receive power. Now, power came on Pentecost. But he says, you shall receive power from the Holy Ghost. And then he said, you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, Jerusalem and Judea were the domain of the Jewish people. But Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth were not, for the most part. We know that there were Jews scattered around the world, but as far as their domain, where, where it was that was central to the religion of the Jews was Jerusalem and Judea. But they're commanded to go out and to preach. Uh, we see in uh, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. That's when the church basically takes its first breath of air. The Holy Ghost indwells the church. Peter gets up to preach with great power. A man who had denied Jesus Christ not that long before this, he gets up and preaches, and the Bible tells us that 3,000 souls are added to the church. Saved, baptized, added to the church. They, didn't, they weren't confirmed. They didn't take communion. They, didn't, they were saved by the grace of God. The way all of us come into the kingdom of God is by grace are you saved through faith. Faith. Not works. Now, if you have faith, true faith, you'll have works. But works don't save us. See, faith is what saves us. And so we see that uh, he preaches, they're saved, they're baptized uh, as a believer, and then they're added to the church, 3,000 in one day. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they heal a lame man. And um, go chapter 3. Just I know you haven't really looked at much so far in chapters 1 and 2, but we're just doing an overview. So go to chapter 3. And we see Peter and John, they heal a lame man at the temple. Peter preaches a sermon. The Sadducees throw Peter and John in jail. But then the word of God, which does not return void, it takes root and over 5,000 people get saved. And Acts chapter 4, the high priest brings Peter and John out of jail and they question them. Go to chapter 4, verse 8. And read with me if you would. The Bible says, now here's the high priest. They, 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 they bring them out and they, they question them. And they say, verse 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, says to them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. See, these were the Jewish rulers. Verse 9, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, they had healed somebody. By what means is he made whole? A miracle happened in their presence. He says, be it made known or be it known unto you all and to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified. Uh, Remember who, who put Jesus on the cross? The Romans put him. But it was ultimately the Jews who pushed for that to happen. See, the the government didn't want to get involved. But to please the Jews, they acquiesced. Now, we understand that Jesus was not murdered as much as the Bible tells us that his life was not taken from him, but he laid it down out of his own volition and will. Jesus 
died for us. He chose to die. Isn't that wonderful? But we understand the events that took place. And he's accusing these people. He said, you crucified Jesus Christ. But I think it's awesome that we see that Peter takes opportunity every time he can. You see that with the apostles, with Stephen and others, that, and Paul. That every time that they get in front of somebody of great power or anyone that they, they have an opportunity to, they don't cower in fear. Rather, they proclaim Jesus Christ. And that's what he does here. Verse number 10. He says, God raised him from the dead. Even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. See, it's Jesus' power that healed the lame man. Verse 11, this is the stone which was set at naught. Who's the stone? Jesus Christ. It was set at naught of you builders. See, the Jews rejected the Messiah. But the Bible says, which has become the head of the corner. He says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. In Acts chapter 5, we read about Ananias and Sapphira. We also read of many miracles performed by the apostles. We also see that the high priest gets angry, throws the apostles in jail again. The angel of the Lord lets them out of prison and tells them to go back to the temple and preach the word of life again. And they preach there. And uh, now in Acts chapter 5, verse 28, they're brought before the Sanhedrin. These are the chief rulers of the Jewish religion. And the Bible says, here the, the, the high priest asks the apostles, he says, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 28, did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in his name, or in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So they didn't like that they were being accused of crucifying the Messiah. Well, the Bible says, verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Man, that, that could be our life first. We need to make that our life philosophy. We need to obey God rather than men. There are too many, too many opportunities in this world right now where we, we, we are not able to just say, well, I'll just obey the law and I'll be obeying God. My friend, there's going to be many more opportunities in addition to what we're already facing today. But many more opportunities in the future where we're going to have to decide between God and man. God or government. But Peter and the apostles declare we need to obey God rather than men. Verse 30. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut in the heart and took counsel to slay them. So they get the lawyer involved, right? Gamaliel comes along and he says, look, just leave these guys alone. If they're not the real deal, it's okay because we've had this happen before where some guy, a cult leader, will come onto the scene. He'll get a bunch of people stirred up. But after time, it all subsides. If it's not true, why are we so worried about it? It's basically what he says there. And um, <clears throat> we see that uh, verse 38 
Now I say unto you, refrain from these men, Gamaliel tells the council. He says, let them alone, for if this council or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. I think Gamaliel actually had good sense. He had an understanding that if it is of God, there's nothing we could do. And the Bible says, verse 40, and to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles, and they couldn't just let them out of jail. They had to beat them, okay? Uh, we're not just going to let you uh, get away scot-free, okay? Uh, he, they flogged the apostles, and then they let them go. Verse 41, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, my friend, are we always rejoicing when we suffer for Jesus Christ? May we learn that it is a blessing, a blessing to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. Because although it's painful and it's hard and difficult, when you know that you did the right thing, there is great peace in our heart before God. When we choose to obey God rather than men. Go on, if we would, with me. And we're going to go to chapter 6. In chapter 6, we read about the needs of the widows in the church and the setting up of what probably was the first deacons or servants to the church. The church grows, and even many of the Jewish priesthood join the church. We see that. That's interesting. Needless to say, this is disturbing to the Sanhedrin, the powerful Jewish leaders. They bring Stephen in for trial, one of the deacons of the church at Jerusalem. And Stephen was uh, brought in, and they bring false accusations against him. And the Bible says that they look at him after lying about him. <laughs> and go with me to Acts chapter 16 and verse number 17. I'm sorry, Acts 6, not 16. Acts 6, verse 17. Uh, or no, I'm not in the right verse. Number uh, 15, I'm sorry. But when they, they bring these accusations against Stephen, now remember who Stephen was? Stephen was uh, a deacon. He was the, the preacher. And by the way, you don't have to be a pastor to preach the gospel, okay? These were just men that were holy and godly and were set aside or set apart to serve the church. And, 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 and they, they preached the gospel as well. Uh, and, but Stephen, they accuse him. You can read that if you wanted to, but verse 15, it says, after they, uh, they looked at him, after accusing him of all of this stuff, the Bible says, when they saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And I just think, kind of, of my children, you know, when they do wrong, and sometimes they, they should be given an Oscar, you know, for the ability to act just so angelic, and to, uh, to pretend like, oh, I did nothing wrong. I think of my, my dog that we had before, Cookie. She was good at that. You know, what? I didn't do anything wrong. Uh, you know, no, you're the only dog in this house, okay? It wasn't anyone else. You are guilty. But, but I see Stephen here. The Bible says, they accuse them of these things. But when your conscience is clear before God and you did the right thing, guess what? You can have the countenance of an angel as well. And he was at peace. Now the Bible says uh, that <clears throat> the uh, verse se- or chapter 7, we go on. In Acts 7, uh, Stephen preaches what becomes his last sermon. 
Because at the end of his sermon, and I hope it doesn't happen to me today, but at the end of his sermon, the people pick up stones and they stone him to death. And who is involved with that? We know a man named Saul. Chapter 8, verse 1. Now Saul, Saul of Tarsus, he was known by his Roman name, Paul. But Saul of Tarsus was consenting to his death. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, that before Jesus Christ, before Jesus was in his life, you know, we have B.C., right? Some of you remember B.C., before Christ, in your life. How many of you have a B.C.? Hopefully you have Christ. If you don't have Jesus Christ today, I, I, I call you this morning. I implore you, I beg of you to receive salvation. As we already read, there's, neither is there salvation in any other. There's no other name given among men, given under heaven, by where ye must be saved. But Paul had a B.C. And in his before Christ, his name was Saul. And the Bible says that he was consenting unto his death. Whose death? Stephen's death. What does that mean? Uh, that means that he was a zealous persecutor. Uh, our English translation might not be strong enough. Because the idea behind this Greek word is to approve, but also to be pleased with. Saul took pleasure in attacking Christians. Philippians 3.6, Paul said before Christ, he was so zealous in his religious faith, faith that he persecuted the church. He made havoc of the church. And the Bible says that in Philippians 3.6 that he drug them out. He drugged them out. Uh, or verse number 3, I'm sorry, Acts 8.3, that he drug men and women out of their houses and he committed them to prison. So verse number 1, let's read it just so we cover everything here. Saul consented unto his death. Now, now stick with me. Follow me if you would. Read with me. Uh, and at the time, there was a great persecution. Now if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, underline if you would, great persecution. Great persecution against who? Say it with me, class. The, okay, the church. Okay, say it with me. The church. Very good. Okay, which was at where? Okay, now there's no trick questions here. I'm not going to trick you, okay? Don't, don't get nervous this morning, all right? I just need to make sure we're together, we're with it. And uh, praise the Lord, the sun's out, that's good, that helps. But sometimes the sun on our face uh, makes it hard to stay awake. I always have that problem when I drive in, uh, you know, in the early in the morning and then the sun comes up and it's right in your eyes. Oh, that's, that's hard uh, to drive and stay awake. But uh, it's hard sometimes to sit in church and stay awake. But let's work together on this. Okay, I'll be done as soon as you uh, help me a little bit and work with me. The Bible says that the church was at Jerusalem where they were being persecuted. Verse number 1, Acts 8, 1. And they were all, what's the next word? Okay, okay. let's say it again. They were all scattered throughout or abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And I think that's interesting that the church grew without the apostles necessarily leaving Jerusalem. See, the church was scattered. 
the, the, the church body was scattered, but the apostles were not scattered at first. And the Bible says, verse 2, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial. And praise God, there were men that were able to give him a proper burial. But we know the blessing was that absent from the body, is present with, you're present with the Lord, Paul says. And Stephen saw Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God and uh, welcoming him into heaven. And the Bible says, verse number 3, As for Saul... He made havoc of the church. We write about that. Verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad, they went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. We see a man who preached Jesus Christ. Now, this was an unlikely person to succeed in Samaria. Why? Because of his ethnicity. He was a Jew. Uh, Samaritans and Jews are like oil and water. They don't mix. And um, uh, the joy that comes to Samaria or Samaria is because of a man who was willing to go down and preach. Now, this was not an apostle. This was not a man who was uh, you know, necessarily uh, one of the main leaders in the church of Jerusalem. This was just a holy man. This was a devout man who was used of God uh, in a capacity that uh, any one of us, any one of us, now listen, you put yourself in this category, any one of us with a heart that is yielded to the Lord, And with a body that is yielded to the Lord, a mind, our will, everything given over to God, everything, God could use any one of us, his children, to do what Philip did. And we see that that Philip, uh, a layman in the church, comes down as a Jewish man to the people who are hostile to Jews. And um, by the way, we shouldn't hold back when God calls us to go somewhere. We shouldn't hold back just because someone's a little different than us or because they might be hostile towards us. See, there's a lot of people even in our own city that are hostile towards us. And it's not even because we're Christians. Just because there's a lot of hostility out there. There's a lot of, uh, of unkind people. But does that mean that we, we don't give them the gospel because they're undeserving of the gospel? If we would be honest, none of us deserve the good news that Jesus saves. None of us deserve it. Can I hear, can I get a witness on that? Can I just get a little witness on that? None of us deserve Jesus Christ dying on the cross. None of us deserve that. So let us not pick and choose who we think is deserving of the gospel. And so, wherever we go, whoever we come across, no matter whether we feel that they deserve God's gift or not, may we overcome our prejudices and our feelings and our fears 
And with the power of God, just speak the truth in love. That's what Philip does. He was a man used of God here. And we see he goes down to Samaria. And the Bible says that uh, he preached Christ unto him. Verse, verse 6. And the people with one accord, so in great unity, they come together. And the Bible says that multitudes get saved. Because it says that they gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. God did miracles through Philip, but it was what he said that they gave heed to. The gospel, Christ, they gave heed to that. The Bible says, For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of the many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, that means that they were paralyzed, and that they were lame, they were healed, Great, calamity, uh, great uh, physical maladies, great uh, uh, heartaches that they carried, problems that they had. Physical needs were met. But the greatest thing that happened there was that Jesus Christ was preached unto them and they gave heed to what he said. Praise God. He uses things, uh, miraculous things, to get our attention at times. But it's not just about the miracles. It's not just about the uh, miraculous, wondrous things that we see. It's not just about, oh, uh, God impress, is, is impressing us. You know, look at all these, these wondrous works. There's a lot of people that saw miracles in Jesus' day that never gave heed to Christ. Judas Iscariot was one of them. May we not just focus on the miracles. May we see Christ. That's the point. That's the point. And so we see the result here, verse number 8, and there was great, or the word megas that we've been talking about, the word great is, in the Greek, the word mega, megas. There was mega joy. It wasn't just, well, we, we say that word great, and we use it very flippantly, but this was, this was exceedingly abundant joy in that city. Lives were changed. Forever. Because of what one man did, a person who could have said, well, let's go into the hills and let's hide until this blows over. Let's run away and, uh, and just kind of keep it to ourselves lest somebody decide to kill us. Because there was a great threat. There was a lot of people that were upset. And as we read through the book of Acts, there were several times where the Jewish leaders would even go. Uh, Jews from a city would follow the apostles to the next town. And they would stir up problems for them in the next town. That was not uncommon. There was, there was, a, there was great, uh, I'm sure, a great temptation for these people to just say, let's keep it down to a dull roar. Until things get, uh, till the heat's off. But we see that, uh, that I want to bring out one thing today that's important, I believe, and we'll be done here this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. All right, thank you. I know you appreciated Dr. Jim last week. Wasn't that a blessing? I got to watch. I wish I could have been here. But uh, Dr. Jim, Ben Galdron, is a great uh, blessing to me. I traveled with him uh, for four months in 2008. And so I got to know him pretty well, and he got to know me pretty well. And uh, so uh, it was a blessing to get to hear him. I'm glad you were here last Sunday. But the point I want to make here is one word in verse number 8. And the word is not joy. The word's not great. 
Uh, the word's not even city, because we're focused on cities, because we're in one. But the word I want you to see is a, f- a, a four-letter word, second word from the end. The word that. Very good. That city. There was great joy in that city. You might be saying, why, was that, why is that so important? What does that matter? That city. It's just describing the word. Uh, it was just Samaria. That city. But in order for there to be great joy in that city, there was great sorrow in another city. We think of Jerusalem. If you go back to chapter 8, first uh, few verses here, we see several things that happen. In order for there to be joy in Samaria, we see that uh, there had to be persecution against the church in Jerusalem. Verse number 1. There was persecution. Uh, there was uh, great difficulty and, and, and sorrow because of the terrible persecution. Uh, Saul and other enemies of the gospel were, 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 were creating great havoc in the lives of Christians. They were tearing up the church. They were, they were, they were uh, killing people. Uh, there was people in prison because of this. Uh, they were put in jail. They were despised. They were cruelly treated, put to death. Uh, thank God we don't know, r- really, what persecution, this kind of persecution is like. But there are people in our world that are going through great difficulty today because of preaching the gospel or meeting in church, meeting in, uh, uh, on a Sunday or sometime during the week where they come together and just want to have church and they're put into prison for that. Some are killed for preaching the gospel we saw that going on in Afghanistan not that long ago. I know down in Haiti there was uh, Christians put in uh, that were held hostage recently. Uh, people are 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 suffering for for God, but praise God that He can take something sorrowful, something difficult, and He can turn it around into a blessing for someone else. And if we're a mature Christian, we will understand that it is necessary for suffering to occur in order for there to be joy. And so we see that there was great joy in that city, (laughs) but there was persecution in Jerusalem. We also see that there was, uh, uh, the Bible says that there there was great lamentation because people had died. We see that, uh, verse number two, Stephen gave his life. Then verse number four, uh, because uh, of the persecution, there was scattering. There was probably families that were separated. There were people that were, uh, uh, you know, they, were, they, they, they lost their home. You know, they, they got booted out of the city or they ran for their life. They ran somewhere else. And probably somebody took their stuff. They lost homes. They lost family members. They lost many things because of their calling, their choice to follow Jesus Christ. And so the the joy of Samaria was born out of great sorrow in Jerusalem. Sorrow. Sorrow. We see that um, there was there were things that um, they went through that we probably haven't gone through, okay? But there are some things, my friend, that you and I, God is allowing us to deal with and go through 
that can have even some of the same results that we saw in Samaria. God allows you to deal with the suffering in your life so that others will turn to Christ. God has orchestrated the events of 2021 and 2020, which were two very difficult years for our world. But God allowed those events in his great divine providence for several reasons. Number one, for his glory. Because there's nothing that God does that does not bring him glory. So God allows that for his glory. You might say, well, why, why does God... If you don't understand why God should and needs to be glorified, then we don't quite have the right grasp of who God is. See, American Christianity looks at God as more like this is, like a, this is what he can do for me rather than what we should be doing for him. Because what God has done for us, he should always receive praise, no matter what happens in our life. Because of uh, the fact that we deserve hell and we don't have to go to hell and we can be restored into a right relationship with God. And because of all that he has done for us, he should always receive glory. Even through the difficult times in our life, we should always say Praise God, although I'm going through this, praise God, He deserves glory. He deserves to be, uh, uh, he deserves to be praised for this. God deserves it. But my friend, not only does He deserve glory, not only does He deserve it, we understand that God allows the difficulties for a reason. There's a purpose behind it all. It's not just so uh, he could be glorified. There's other things that are at play. There, there is the fact that he is using this circumstance to bring people closer to him. Many of you know of times in your life where you were away from him. If you were saved, if you're saved, you were away from God. But God said, hey, I, I need you to be in the right relationship. I need you to be in fellowship with me. And God took you through a process. Kind of like how gold and other uh, precious metals are refined. There's heat. There's, there's things that are involved. There's some, uh, some difficulty. Spurgeon uh, has said that uh, he was appreciative of what God allowed him to go through. He says, I confess, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. He says, I confess that I owe almost everything to the forge, the fire, the file, and the hammer. You know, sometimes it's, it's a really a great blessing to go through trials. You might say, how is it a great blessing to go through difficulty? The reason that you are asking that question is because you have not learned there is a purpose. There's a purpose. Even Spurgeon, a man who was the greatest preacher, probably one of the greatest preachers of the 19th century, pastored thousands upon thousands of people, preached over 10,000 people on a weekly basis. He suffered greatly from depression. He suffered greatly from people stabbing him in the back. He only lived to be in his 50s. He, he just had physical problems. He had back issues. He had uh, great sorrow in his life. Much of the things that you have gone through, Spurgeon also faced. Sometimes we look at these great men of God or great women of God and we say, wow, I just wish I could, I could be who they are. I wish God would use me in that way. But my friend, in order for God to use any of us, we have to be closely acquainted, regularly acquainted 
intimately acquainted with sorrow and with suffering. You might be saying, boy, I don't want to go through that. But then you have to understand that if you're not willing to go through all of those things, then God will not be able to refine us, process us into being everything He needs us to be for Him. We see the sorrow that took place in Jerusalem. Oh, it was a difficult time. Oh, it was a hard time. And people died. People suffered. People were separated from uh, their families and from their homes and everything that they counted dear. But there was great joy as a result. My friend, are you willing to put up with some sorrow in this life? This life that we put so much stock into. Once we get into eternity, I guarantee you, the Bible tells us that we're going to look back and we're going to say, that was not that bad. This life seems like forever while we're living it. I talked to my dad not too long ago. And I said, man, dad, you're getting old. You know, joking around with him. He said, that's not very nice, pastor. Well, you know, he, he gives me a hard time too. So you don't know the whole story, okay? And so I'm, I'm just kidding. I, I, I just got on onto him a little bit. I'm, man, you're getting old. You're going to be 66, dad. And he says, yeah. He says, he says, you'll be here before you know it. He says, you blink. He said, and now life goes past that fast. 66 years of age. He says, it wasn't that long ago that I was 34 like you. 33, 34, now I'm 34. He said, it wasn't that long ago. He's double my age. You know, he's 66. I was 33 for a few, for one week. He was double my age. And he says, you blink, open your eyes. And life goes by that fast. But this life, which we think is going to last forever, and we put so much stock into it, we say, this is, this is all there is. Oh, let us not adopt that worldly philosophy, that humanistic philosophy, that, that self-centered philosophy. May we realize that this life, it, it may be 70 years, it may be 100 years, if God blesses you with a long life like that. But it may not be that long. And when we get into eternity, we'll look back and say, even 100 years. That's not that long. That's just a blink of an eye compared to all eternity. And we're living for this life. And we put so much stock into this life. And we're not willing to just give God a few hours of our week. A little bit of what he gives to us. And he's so good to us. And we, we're, we're stingy with God. And I hope that when we get to heaven, we're not going to say, boy, I... I, I wish I had done more for the Lord. As that song goes, I'll wish I had given him more. Well, I don't want to wish. I don't want to be in that place where I wish I had done it. I know when we get to heaven, there's probably going to be some things that we'll look back and say, yeah, I didn't live for him there. But I hope you can have this story and say, but I got right with God, and I lived the rest of my life for him. Okay? There might be somebody that says, why? Well, I, I blew it. I'm 60 years. I didn't get saved till I was 65 or 66 or 70. I didn't get saved till I was 20 or 25. And some people always say, I wish I had grown up in a Christian home. I wish I had, had heard about this earlier. I wish I had, had just gotten my life together earlier. I got saved at an early age, might be your story. I got saved when I was a, a kid or a teenager or a young adult, but I didn't start getting serious till later. 
Oh, my friend, you don't have to live with regret today. You can just get things right with the Lord today. And, 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 and at the judgment seat of Christ, you can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because it doesn't matter as much how we start the race as it matters how we finish the race. Okay, Paul screwed up. He had a mess in his life. Look at all the things that he did. Saul of Tarsus. He persecuted the church. He, uh, he, 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 he was at Stephen's stoning, holding the coats of the people that were stoning him. Might as well have just been the one that picked up the rocks and did it. And um, yet the Bible tells us that God had a plan for him. And you know what? He was the one that was called to be the, the apostle to the Gentiles. You might not be the one with that title, but God has a, a person or a group of people that he wants you to reach. Did you know that? See, the devil wants us to think, well, God's not going to use me because I don't have that much time. Or God's not going to use me because I don't have much talent. God's not going to use me because, uh, you know, I, 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 I just don't have an education. God's not going to use me because, I, well, you know, I don't, I don't have the same charisma as somebody else. I, I can't have, I, I can't talk. I get nervous when I, when I try to give the gospel. Oh, my friend, may we just yield to God everything that we have from this day forward and not look at the past because we have to say like Paul said, Paul said, he said, uh, I'm not going to look at the past. I'm not even going to let that bother me. I'm not going to let the, the past mess me up. Because that's under the blood, praise God. Paul said, I press toward the mark. The call, my calling is to follow Jesus Christ. As the writer of Hebrews said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He tells us that we need to lay aside the weight and the sin. There's, oh, there might be some things that are sinful in our life that we can say, oh yeah, I, can, I, I need to get rid of that. But there might be some things that are just weights. There are things that are holding us back and hindering us. And we need to, this year, like I said, take some time to prioritize our year. Take some time to write down what we're going to make important. Because what you plan to do this year, in the first few weeks... How you plan your year is how that year is going to go. And you just take some time to inventory. What's important? Is, is, is fellowship with God important? Well, let's start reading the Bible. Let's start praying and, and using the tools that God has given us to be accountable to one another. How about our, 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 our fellowship with the church? Is that important, class? Is it important for us to be here and to be a, a part of what God's doing? Yes, we need to be present with God's people. And so make that your priority this year. Uh, how about your family relationship? And by the way, I'm just going to say right now, family is your first ministry. Okay, Church ministry is second. But don't focus so much on your family that you neglect the other callings that God has in your life. And some people do that. They make that mistake. They fall into that uh, category where they, they, all they do is they just spend time with family, but it's an excuse for their laziness, okay? And uh, family's important, but there's a ministry here to the body of Christ, okay? God puts you into your immediate family, but he puts you into a bigger family of believers. How about your, uh, uh, your uh, finances and your health? You know, you might be saying, well, those things aren't spiritual. Oh, yes, they are. 
There's a lot of uh, spiritual truth behind how we spend our money. There's a lot of biblical truths and teaching, a lot of doctrine even, a lot of teaching on how we should spend our money and even how we should live our lives physically. Uh, you know, we need to be careful about what we put into our bodies. And uh, the, um, the, you know, Paul, and a lot of people like to say, well, Paul said bodily exercise profits little. Well, I understand it says that. He also said we need to buffet our body or buffet our body or however you want to put that, but I'm just kidding. Um, But I understand that we could take some of these things to the extreme. But I'm going to tell you right now that I want to challenge myself, even in how I spend my money. I want to be yielded to the Holy Spirit in how I spend my money. Because money is not just, uh, you know, a means to just, oh, well, you know, I can work a job and I can, I, it's my money so I can spend it however I want. No, it is, it is, there's, like I said, there's spiritual truth and spiritual ramifications behind how we spend the resources God gives us. And then my physical time in the, on this earth. You might say, well, there's no need to exercise and do all those things because we're just going to die anyways. Well, I remember a preacher said years ago, I read a book uh, by a pastor in Dallas. He wrote about how that he runs three miles a day. And you might be saying, I'm not going to run three miles a day. But I'm just telling you what his illustration was. He says, the reason I do it is because this body's going to die someday. But I want to do what I can to, be, uh, to, um, to uh, slow down <laughs> the process of, uh, of the inevitable death that will probably... Uh, come to him. He's not dead yet, but it will come to him someday. But he is trying everything he can just to physically keep himself in a place where he can continue to minister as long as he can because we'll give an account for those things. So the physical needs that we have, the, the spiritual uh, things behind the, the physical and the money and all of those things, why don't we take an account right now for this year? Set a budget. You might, for your money, how about with your uh, physical things, uh, maybe you could say, I'm not going to run three miles, but I'll walk a mile a day, or something like that. I personally, I'm, not, I'm, I'm kind of off track here, but I want to make sure that I cover this, because I think it's important. I personally uh, have been keeping track of the steps that I take, physical steps, because that's what I need to do to make sure that I can Uh, physically continue in this life to do what I need to do for God. And you should not make an excuse uh, for yourself and say, uh, I don't think that's important because it all is important, how we spend our resources. So we don't have have, uh, a lot of control over certain things, the things that God allows us to go through. But let's be careful that we're not inflicting problems into our life and unneeded sorrow. Oh, this world's going to be full of different difficulties. As Job said, uh, that a man is a few days and full of trouble. We're going to have problems. But may we not cause ourselves extra problems. But when these things come into our life, May we realize that, oh, there's a purpose behind it all. There's a purpose behind it all. God has a great plan. I'm sure the people in Jerusalem are probably scratching their head and saying, the Holy Spirit came and and God started doing these wonderful things. And in a short time, thousands added to the church, but a short time, the church is scattered. 
This must not be the truth. This must not be the right, um, you know, this must not be the right way. You know, as Gamaliel said, oh man, you know, if you just let them alone, they'll disperse and they're going to, they're just going to fall apart. But that's not what happened. God used the scattering. God used the trials to make the church more profitable for God's kingdom. And that's what it's all about. May God receive the glory through the difficulties and trials that we will face. Oh, this church here, right here in Milwaukee, we have some problems. We've got issues that come up. Uh, we have sorrow that we've gone through this year. We've lost this last year. We lost three men out of our church who were integral part of our church. It was a difficult time. But is God done with us? No. In fact, we're more equipped now to be able to help others. There's other things that we've gone through, that you have physically gone through. Maybe you're dealing with privately. Nobody even knows about it, but God is allowing you to go through those things so that you can be a better servant of God. Oh, may we just submit to the Lord and say, God, whatever you want, may you be glorified, but God, may I not waste this trial on being sorry, feeling sorry for myself or becoming bitter or not forgiving somebody or not learning what it's all about. May I just instead just yield to the Holy Spirit and and give God everything and say, God, whatever you want, it's yours. God, help me to grow. Help me to, to, to bring joy to somewhere else. May you be glorified. Maybe through my life somebody will get saved. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Maybe through my, my difficulty, my suffering, may, may the kingdom of God uh, grow and increase. May we have that kind of attitude and that spirit, that sentiment in our life. May it pervade how we live and operate in this world rather than seeing every situation of difficulty as God's getting back at me or God's hurting me or God's doing something to me. Rather, may we see it the right way. The right way. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that you bless this day. Thank you for your word. I do pray that you would speak to us through this uh, Lord's Supper service and invitation. Lord, I do pray that you would bless in Jesus' name.